Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to Queer Talk, a queer podcast that brings you a regular dose of positive news stories and fabulous interviews. Hi. Hi. We're bringing you a four-part mini-series from our recent Queer Talk live shows. Throughout the year, Spencer and I have been hosting a live version of the podcast at Above the Stag Theatre in Vauxhall, South London. And so many of you have joined us there, and it's been absolutely crazy. We're really grateful to have been given this platform by Above the Stag and to be surrounded by our Queer Talk family. We have had interviews and performances from a lineup of fabulous, fabulous queer talent, and today is no different from that. Yes, in our second live show recorded in September 2021, we joined forces with the You Don't Love Me Boys, Amir and Amir. We found out more about their story as a gay power couple who, both like me, are from a British Muslim upbringing. I'm really grateful to have both of these fantastic boys come onto our live show to allow us to explore the difficulties we have when it comes to sexuality and gender expression and religion. But before we dive into that discussion... We wouldn't be Queer Talk Live without a bit of uh, camp entertainment. Of course. From a chaotic drag queen and my future wife. She's Bradford's bad girl and her name is Lady Bushra. Let's go. And I don't wanna go, don't wanna go to Pakistan, Pakistan. Could you pull me out of this? Arrange marriage. Bad boys. I'm stuck in my mind. I'm tired of screaming. At the top of my lungs. I work for Bradford Airlines and the planes are always falling down, down, so down, down. Hello, and welcome to Bradford Airlines. This is Bushra, and I'm definitely working from home and not performing at Manchester Pride. How can I help? Um, hello, Bushra? What? Uh, you booked me on a flight to Bali, um, but the plane has not left Bradford Airport. 
Yeah. Uh, well, that's because I was holiday baiting. Basically, it serves you right for flying when there's been a pandemic. Stay at home and wash your hands, man. What are you doing? Uh, all holidays are non-refundable. But, but, Bushra, I said. What I said. Right. Oh, my God. What was I doing? Is Bushra... And I don't wanna, don't wanna go to Pakistan. Bradford. Bradford. Fair, yeah, I've been to Pakistan loads of times and it's nice, but I ain't getting married to my first cousin. Do you get what I mean? <laughs> oh, wait, let me finish. I'm gonna spell. Is Bushra. Gemma Collins. And it is very, very derogatory what has been said about us, and it does need to be changed. It is absolutely outrageous in today's society that the dictionary, which I'm a massive fan of the dictionary, you know, we should be like promoting the dictionary anyway because, like, it is such an amazing, like, historical British thing, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you very much, everyone. Thanks for all the clapping. I didn't even know I was nominated. <laughs> anyway, my name is Lady Bushra. How the fuck are you? Hello, London. How are you all doing today? Are you all right today? I don't care. I'm the one with the mic. Listen to me. Honestly, it's just a courtesy thing, you know. You just say it out of um, politeness, like, how are you? I'm COVID negative. It doesn't mean anything, honestly. Like, <laughs> chill out. Anyway, listen, yeah. I'm here. I'm here, and uh, I'm gonna do a few jokes for you. I'm just gonna, like, you know, say a few things and uh, make you smile, laugh, and. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to address a situation of mine. Yeah, I always like to start a show properly by asking a very important question: Do you like my outfit? <laughs> <laughs> it's what they like to call up north. All the white people, they like to call it. Ethnic. 
Speak of e speaking of ethnicities, yeah, it's quite the Caucasian invasion today, isn't it? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, this is not reverse racism, yeah, don't get me cancelled. Switch that camera off. <laughs> Honestly, that way I won't get on Drag Race. Oh no, you have to be a skinny white girl to get on Drag Race, don't you? Oh, 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 who me? Starting controversy? I do fucking think. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's, it's quite salt and pepper today, actually. It's quite sort of like, do you know what I mean? Brexit does mean Brexit up north, but not quite here. I'm so sorry about that. That was my stomach. I knew I shouldn't have had that pint of curry. Before you were all thinking it, you were all thinking it. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say thank you very much for having me. And I'm gonna do a few, more, uh, a few jokes and start the show, yeah, but before I do that, Give it up for these two motherfuckers over here. Give it up for Spencer and Mufseen. You've been wanting, stop clapping. They're not that special. Go to Clapham, you'll find two gays like this walking around everywhere. But I do, I do want to say, yeah, I know you guys are hiding in the corner because you're afraid of me, which is understandable because I am brown, ethnic, and therefore very hungry. But um, I just want to say thank you very much. Thank you so much for booking me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. From the bottom of my heart. Honestly, these are the only two who pay you well. Honestly, yeah. Any aspiring uh, artists slash uh, international superstars, yeah. Do a gig with them, they pay you well. Honestly, they pay me shitloads in exposure. <laughs> Honestly, my stomach's full. I had a right nice exposure casserole this afternoon. It was well nice. But um, yeah, they're looking lovely. Spencer looks like as if he's apologizing for who he is. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> he's like, I'm so sorry. You should have seen him, honestly, backstage. He was like, are you all right, Bushra? I don't know if anyone stand up. And I'm like, well, if you fucking sell some tickets and tell people about the show, it'll get sold out. And then look what happened. You all came here. I love gay audiences, honestly. <laughs> Clap at anything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for supporting brown mediocrity. <laughs> but yeah, Mufsin is here as well. I thought you might go by James because it's a more palatable name. Do you know what I mean? You get more gigs that way. But um, yeah, I'll give it up for his outfit. It looks really nice, doesn't he? <laughs> You've had your sugar. Now for the medicine. No, it looks like it looks like as, he's, as if he's off to like some sort of office party slash chem sex party at the same time. <laughs> That's Mufsin and Spencer. Yeah, I just also wanted to say a few things about um, white people. It's this honestly. <laughs> For all the white people that are over here, this isn't a show, this is an intervention. We need to talk about this. <laughs> no, but don't feel bad for yourselves. Don't feel bad that you're white, honestly. Honestly, don't, don't feel bad for what your ancestors did to my ancestors' land, where they came over to our country, ransacked it for all what it's worth, forcing my ancestors to migrate over here only to be paid less and faced racism. But who even remembers that anyway? <laughs> who even remembers that anyway? It's fine, don't worry about it. Because personally, I love white people. I do, oh no, honestly, you, I love you. I, I don't know you, don't care to know you, but I love you. <laughs> I love you as well. Not you, not so much, but <laughs> I love you as well. Yeah, honestly, yeah, because like white people have done some amazing things. You have, you really have. Think about it. Oh, hi, hello, latecomer. <laughs> Brown people turning up late, groundbreaking. <laughs> If you think about it, if it wasn't for white people, we wouldn't have amazing individuals such as Preeti Patel. 
Oh, think about it. We didn't enable her. It was you lot. It was that um, blonde head. What's his name? Boris. It was him. Do you remember him during the pandemonium, pand pandemic? <laughs> go in, go out. No, don't, don't go in. Stay in, stay out. Thank you. Can we have the next slide, please? <laughs> Honestly, absolute mess. But, um, but I also find white people interesting for additional things as well, yeah? It's a post-Brexit world. I don't give a shit what I say here. You're gonna do department. It can only get better when I go to a different country. At least the aisles are full of food. <laughs> Honestly, we're over here like, yeah, rule Britannia. Meanwhile, Spain have got bread. <laughs> do the fucking maths. <laughs> White people have different priorities. You see the world differently. Um, like say, for example, yeah, you've got like, uh, a Cockney accent London straight couple, yeah? And you have the guy and the girl. And the guy's like, you all right, babe? You fancy going in a metal tube 36,000 feet up in the air, yeah? And we'll fly halfway across the world to like a mafia-run island and then we'll swim in shark-infested waters and eat unhygienic food and bread and shit, yeah? And the girl's like, yes, of course. As long as the bread's gluten-free. <laughs> Where are your priorities at? I won't fucking dare. Honestly, one trip to Pakistan a year is enough for me. <laughs> Brown people, this is what happens, yeah? Fucking TikTok. Walk. I mean, sorry, I'm 19, I'm walk as well. Um, but like, people are like, Bushra, and I'm like, what? And they're like, listen, listen, and I'm like, what? And they're like, you can't be taking the piss out of white people all the time. You can't be doing that. You hate all that either. And do you know what, they have a point. They do have a point, yeah, because I'm obviously from Bradford. We, lot have, we have a lot of South Asians in Bradford. Surprise, surprise. And um, we do all the shit there ourselves. There's not many white people. There's no white people living there. Do you know the straight, white, cisgendered male, the privileged male, is my Uncle Tariq. <laughs> Seriously, we're terrible in Bradford. But Bradford, that's where I'm from, by the way. I'm from Bradford, as you can tell by my accent. And for those of you who can't understand it, because you're too London. God help you, just drink. But um, <laughs> Bradford. Uh, is known for curry. Yeah? Crime. <laughs> and first cousin marriages. <laughs> I, it's, it's not that bad though, it's not that bad. Honestly, I don't feel that bad yeah, because I stand here in front of you as a product of my mom, dad, uncle, auntie, slash cousin and everything put in together. Like people wanted their children to be, you know, white people, they want their children to be raised as model citizens. They want them to be, you know, great uh, individuals going to space. Mine wanted me to have webbed feet. <laughs> Again, not a joke, just a fact. <laughs> Bradford is known for crime as well, yeah. There's a lot of criminals and they do lots of bad things. This is a serious, serious uh, conversation, yeah. And it's not nice, it's not nice what they do. I had to move from Bradford and I live in Manchester because it was court ordered. Because I won't pay my fucking council tax. <laughs> but why the fuck should I? Why should I pay council tax in Bradford? They do fuck all day. What are they going to do? Make another fountain in city centre for us to go dogging at night. <laughs> Wait, that's not a bad thing. Is it Mufsin? It's a good thing, isn't it? <laughs> See you later in Bradford later on. But that's Bradford. That's what happens in Bradford. I'm just going to do one more number for you. And then I'm going to call it a day. I just want to say thank you very much, everyone, for listening to my jokes. If you love me, my name is Lady Bushra. If you hate it, it's Shemima Begum. <laughs> Bushra Beta.
We promised you chaos, and now um, Bushra is just one individual, but we have two coming up after the break, and then Amir and Amir are going to be joining us live on stage for an interview. We're here for the live podcast section, um, and we are going to be joined by Amir and Amir from the You Don't Love Me podcast. If you thought Bushra was chaos, you are not prepared for the absolute chaos that is about to come. Um, I'm very excited to call Amir and Amir my besties from Manchester, but also to just share so much chaos. These boys are out here doing the most. They are the representation that we all want and know and love, and they are making so many waves. Um, so yeah, let's give it up for the You Don't Love Me Boys. <laughs> Hello, 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 hello. Don't stop, don't stop, keep going. <laughs> I mean, like, there's hello, three boys. whole South Asians on stage, like, come on. I, Four, three? Three. three. I just wanted to say, I hope you guys enjoyed Lady Bushra. I'm so sorry I couldn't see her perform. <laughs> Honestly, I was just outside, and then she was like, I was like, Bushra, and she was like, you know what she says, what? <laughs> and uh, she shook my hand and put a load of red stuff on my hand, but... She's made her apologies to say that she can't come for the second half. Um, she said something about, yeah, she said something about doing a humanitarian Christian crusade mission in Senegal <laughs> because YOLO or something, so. Um, so this is the live podcast segment. We're going to sit down with Amir and Amir, uh, which I've already said, and we're going to ask them some questions. So you lot get to know who they are and who the people are behind the social media, behind the campaigns. You get to know the real them. If, the, well, if we'll they tell us the truth. <laughs> we'll see. You can get it to know the real <laughs> So let's begin. But before we go into any deeper like, conversations, you're both from Manchester. Well, you both live in Manchester. Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and how was Manchester Pride? Was it worth a two-year wait? Well, <laughs> yes. Manchester Pride was phenomenal. I'm sure you guys will agree. Spencer, you'll definitely agree. It was 
just an incredible, magical celebration of queer people. And what I love to see this year at Manchester Pride is all the South Asians are out. There's a lot. Like, some would say too many, but I don't think you can have too many at all. Like, the takeover's happening, it's real. Watch out, people. But um, yeah, there were so many South Asians, and um, it was just incredible to meet all those people that you've connected with online, you know, through the pandemic, all the amazing queer people doing what they do. And um, it ended beautifully on Monday with the candlelit visual, which we went and we all cried. It was a lot. Yeah, and then we went <laughs> out for emotional. like a, um, us two and Spenny, went out for a drink afterwards and, you know, set the world to rights. And it was Absolutely. beautiful. It was really cute. I'm surprised you remember Manchester Pride. Why would you say such a thing? <laughs> Every, every time, me and Amir were texting, we're like, we need to meet up, we need to meet up. And I'm like, but where are you? And Amir's like, I don't know, but just look for the person with the least amount of clothes on and you'll find me. Listen, I'm dressed today. I'm, I'm impressed. Like, you've put, like, you've, you've covered a lot of skin. Yeah. Actually, this is an important point. Before, before we carry on, I just want to say thank you so much for having us as part of your show. It genuinely means a lot to us. I think this is the first sort of you don't love me boys life thing that we've done since February of 2020 before the pandemic. So it does mean a lot to us. And yes, when he was out for Pride, um, I was performing and doing all sorts and people kept messaging us on Instagram and they were like, where are you guys? And I was like, well, I'm home because <laughs> I'm over 30. And just look, f look out for the crazy guy with the gorgeous waist and a bright yellow co crop top that says opulence on it. And they're like, oh my God, yeah, we've seen him running around. I looked cute. He did. <laughs> there was this one. London right, Pride. Okay. You're going back to London Pride, aren't you? People have okay. hot pants, right? His, I call a denim thong. Because that's what it is. And he was dancing. And he kept dancing. And one of our friends came up to us and he was like, Amir, you might want to just like, look at your husband. And it was just, just there. So I literally just went up and strategically danced and just shoved it back <laughs> in. <laughs> so for you all, all of you who are single, you know marriage goals. This is <laughs> this is what you need another half for. We're hiding yeah, each other's balls. Help balls. That's what marriage is like, about. That's the reason why I married him. Why else? Are you well talked today? Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. right Don't now. look, though. Like, I'm not giving any of you guys consent to look. Tell us where it all began. You've mentioned, you know, tucking each other's balls in, which is very romantic. But tell us where it all began. How did you two become an item? God, that was so long ago now. It was 1985. <laughs> it was a dark, stormy night. You always do that, right? This is what he always does. We're going to go on to off topic a lot. This is what we do. You should listen to our podcast. You don't let me podcast. It's better than this. Um... <laughs> Anywho, we're gonna go off topic. What was that look we've seen? Why did I invite you? What look? What look? <laughs> I was a teacher at one point, an English teacher. And when I used to bring you know, my, my marking home and the creative writing, he's like, I could do better. It was a dark, stormy night every fucking time. And I'm like, please, I'm gonna fail you every time. You still do that to this day. Now, uh, um, shall I tell the story? You tell the story, then I'll tell the truth. Okay, so <clears throat> the way that we uh, met was through a mutual friend who's no longer our friend. And as these stories keep going, <laughs> what you'll realize is that we're nice and we can smile and stuff, but behind closed doors, we're twats, right? <laughs> Which is why we always lose friends. So a lot Your of our stories- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> a lot of our stories involve ex-friends. It's so awkward meeting ex-friends, we've seen hi. Um, <laughs> and so it was, our, it was our friend and I, I s we both come from the same hometown called Keithley. Uh, but as fate would have it, I lived uh, in Nottingham. I was studying university, and my parents were like, Amir, you need to come back. 
and it was strategy because they wanted me to get married to you know and, and settle down as a South Asian. So as fate would have it, I got a job and it was in Bradford. So I ended up relocating back to my parents' house. And we met through a mutual friend and our friend um, was like, oh, let's go on a night out in Leeds because Keithley's the nearest decent city. And he said, there's another guy called Amir as well who lives in Keithley. Would you like to meet him? And he showed me a picture. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. And he looked kind of familiar. And then when I met him, I realized that we actually went to school together. So he was a couple of years younger than me, yeah. And I was a bitch yes, then. Yes, I am the younger one, remember that. <laughs> I, I was a bitch then as well. And still a bitch now. We had a massive argument and we still <laughs> argue. I don't remember the <laughs> argument. He remembers me from school, I don't remember you. But anyway, we went on this night out and I really didn't like him. <laughs> I didn't. I, and I don't like most people. I, I didn't like him. You I still thought, don't. <laughs> I thought he was very sort of um, out there, shall we say. He was like, mm, hi, how are you? Yeah, balls and all that jazz. <laughs> There's a lot of ball play here. <laughs> there is, yeah. Well, you ain't, with that harness, you ain't complaining at all, are you? <laughs> um, and I was, okay so, my, okay, so my words were to our mutual friend, I said, I don't think he's the type of person who I want to associate myself with, and I don't want to see him again. <laughs> but then, in Keithley, there's not a lot of gays. Not that many me. out gays, not that many out gays. So as fate would have it, we ended up going on another night out. My best friend at the time was with us as well, who is also no longer my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was like, oh, Amir's looking a bit fit tonight, isn't he? Or Amir, uh, for the Western vernacular. And he, and he was like, oh, he's looking a bit fit. And I was like, yes. Yes, he, oh, Bushra's stomach's rumbling. Um, I, sa I said, yes, yes, he is looking quite fit tonight. And then we just hit it off, and the rest, as you say, is history. That's my story. I think so. I think <laughs> I no, that was a good version. How do you remember it? Um, it was a dark, stormy night. <laughs> um, I was very drunk, and my friend messaged, mine's gonna be a really short version, because I was just very drunk. My friend message was like, yeah, let's go out, you know, with this guy that I know called Amir. Previously to that, I was on Grinder. I saw a picture of this guy called Amir. I saw his name. I messaged him. I got ignored. <laughs> in my defense, I used to live in Nottingham and I was voted one of the most handsome men in Nottingham. So she got a lot of and messages before the pandemic weight gain. <laughs> Girl, that was just seven years ago. I mean, <laughs> before the pandemic, I don't think. <laughs> I was very picky. I wasn't looking for a relationship on Grinder. Me neither. Oh, so yeah. I was looking for dick. So therefore, I have scientifically proven that I ignored his message so that fate would meet us in real life for us to pursue a real relationship rather than just getting dicked down one Friday night. When did you realize like, there was a spark? Um, yeah, I was drunk. We went on a night out. I could not stand him. I was like, he is so up his own ass. He's so pompous. He's so arrogant. Nothing's changed. It's what I love about him now. Um, then we went another night out, and I was looking fire. I'm not going to lie. I was wearing this mesh slit. It, this was like November as well, slit thing. I was looking hot. I was looking good. I was feeling myself. And then we just hit it off. I don't know what happened, but we just hit it off. And then um, genuinely, it just grew really naturally from there. Yeah, you know, we, we kept dating. Yes. And we started dating like... 
Um, I remember like you picking me up in your car all the time. We used to go for these long drives and um, starting to get to know each other. You used to play your Bollywood music to me because I didn't listen to Bollywood music at all. You know, I used to play my heavy metal music to you. Yeah, we used to park <laughs> the car up and we used to literally talk to like four or five in the morning. And he was so cute. He used to try and work the music and he was like, how do you do this thing? And like he used to play his own music and stuff. And it was just such a great way to sort of connect. And the rest is pretty much history. Then we sort of made it official. I think You took on me on a surprise date to one of my I favorite did, restaurants. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was New Year's. And I was like, you need to ask me out. But I was like, I want it to be official, you know? And yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, and I honestly can't imagine my life without you. I really Aww. can't. So when did you get married? Did you're married? Yes, we are married as well. We are a gay South Asian married couple. Hold up. The first ever gay South Asian married couple to come out of Bradford. I'm just saying to get married in Bradford. But we won't be the last. We will not be the last. No. We got married um, in April of 2019. Now, when we got married, if you were to tell me that in a year's time, we're not going to even be able to step outside and hug each other, I'd be like, you're out of your mind. But, you know, that, that's just what it is. But we were going to plan this huge wedding. Um, and, you know, have a load of guests. It was Carden Park Hotel that we'd booked, which is in Cheshire. It's this gorgeous place with a lake and golf course and all this, you know, very Caucasia, shall we say. <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. Um, and it was really nice. And the bills were stacking up. And what we realized was, because unfortunately, I don't have the support of my family. And, you know, uh, uh, Amir, he has some support, but it's not in the traditional sense. And gay marriage has only been legal for us for, what, six, seven years? And, you know, that's all about equality, but it doesn't mean that you have to replicate what straight people are doing. You know, we, it's true. You know, gay marriage is legal, let's make marriage gay. So we had to do what suited us, what fitted us. So what we went ahead and did was we canceled the plans, we rescinded the invites, and we decided to do a small registry wedding because it fit within our budget, it, it fit with um, what we were going through during the time. And we had a, a henna ceremony the day before, and then we had the registry, uh, which was very beautiful. It was very emotion. It was a very emotional day. It was. Oh, wow. It was. Uh, even thinking about it now, it gets me really emotional because it, th this was a secret wedding, so no one knew it was happening apart from us. You know, that was for many reasons for ourselves, for our safety as yes. well, um, where we were living at the time. And I remember that day, and I remember being, you know, about to get married. You're, you're standing there, and you're saying your vows and stuff, and. I just bawled. I just like cried so much, and every time I think about it now, I still cry because, in that moment, in front of you know our chosen family, I was like, "This is what love wins feels like. Like this is it. Like, we're, you know, like, you know, growing up um, South Asian and queer, like, you, you, there's, there's nothing out there. There's nothing, nothing for us. Nothing. You, you don't even think you're gonna live till get married. You know, let alone no. even live." at all, and to, to get to that moment and be like, no one can do anything to me now, like, this is, this is it, I've done it. No, absolutely, and you know, I hope you guys experience something similar, whether you get married or not, I definitely well, do. To, to each other? No, well, <laughs> well, well, whatever. you heard it here first. You know, I do hope that you guys get to experience that um, in some shape or form, whether it's through marriage or not, because yeah. that day really personified the term love wins, because you know, there's always this impending threat, particularly for gay um, South Asians, for queer South Asians, because, you know, 
when you get on stage and when you when you perform, it's difficult from an ethnic point of view because you're a person of color and you're a minority within a minority. But then also there is this, uh, you know, existential threat that when you are in the public eye, you will be torn down by your own kind, by closeted people because they are jealous or they're, they don't like you bringing it out into the open. But then also from, you know, people who are radicalized, you know, we've had death threats uh, come our way. However, when we got married, it really did personify love wins because guess what? From that day onwards, regardless of what happens, we have won. As queer South Asians, we have won. We have got married, we have declared our love. Whatever you want to do after that, it really makes no difference. You can try all you want. You know, we are that unit. So I really hope for all queer um, individuals out there that they get to experience that solidarity, whether it's within themselves or whether it's with, uh, with a partner or otherwise. Absolutely. One of the things I really admire about you two is I've always thought about my own wedding and thinking, oh, I can't incorporate my culture into my wedding because that relies on my family. Um, so it's great to see you do that, like having a henna, for example. It, it's a 5,000 year, uh, year old heritage. It is your heritage. You can spin it, twist it, use it however you want. And it, and it is difficult, and I completely appreciate what you're saying, Mufsin, because you know, I love cooking, and, you know, my... My biggest critic here—he—he he will say, tell you that I'm a great cook. But sometimes when I'm cooking and I'm doing it, I'm doing stuff that I've been taught by my mom. It, it sends me into a spin sometimes. But I have to stop that and say, actually, she may have passed on the information, but it's always been within it's me. It's all—it's mine it. to twist yeah. it and use it and and for put it forward however I want to. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Can I ask a question? Sure. Have you found your chosen family or is that a journey you're on at the moment? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say it's still a journey. Yes. That we are on. Um, we, we do have, you know, chosen family. And, and But I do think we're continuing to find more people to be part of that chosen family, especially in the queer community. You know, we only moved to Manchester last year from, you know, an area of Bradford, which was a very, very difficult place to live. Very, very difficult. We stayed there due to work and we, you know, we took the plunge. But I do slowly feel like, you know, we are finding a chosen family and um, we have done that, especially through the pandemic. And I'm sure other people feel like that in here. They are, I can see some nods of the head. You, you, you have found people through this pandemic that you have really connected with within the community, you know, and uh, that's really important. You know, social media is powerful. And we can use it as a great tool. And, you know, 
I would I would hundred percent say you know Spencer's part of our chosen family. You know we we oh, absolutely. We, we we met Spencer not, not that long ago and we have I honestly I have so much love for this human being. He's so incredible and such such you know just great things for the community. But even as you know a, a friend as family, like he's part of our chosen family now, and and that's that. So we're definitely on a yeah. journey to finding it. Let's see if we stay friends, Spencer. You know what it's like with us. I ain't going anywhere, bitches. You know this. <coughs> no, absolutely. We've inherited him as our baby, and <laughs> we intend to raise him wrong. Mufsin's like, take him. <laughs> please take him. Please, 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 please. <laughs> I just got passed around from queer to queer on the Ooh. We Ooh. heard that about you. The dream. So you mentioned social media as a way of like finding that chosen family. Now, we know just as well as you do that through the power of podcast, you're able to find that community, right? So... You have released over 70 episodes, all of which touching on some really serious topics, you two being absolute chaos and crackers and <laughs> ridiculous. That's so true. Um, but what was the aim when you started the podcast, you know, and, uh, and, and when are you going to have us on? You want to know the truth? Oh, when are we going to have you on? Can we'll I see how this goes tonight. <laughs> can I, <laughs> can I answer the first part of the question? Go on then. Okay. We're here talking you about... little like bitch. We're here, we're I know what here, you're going to say. We're here talking about family and gays and love each other and blah, blah, blah. But the reason why we started the podcast was so that we could have, we could have a platform for this bitch to talk on. Because I was getting sick of his shit. I'm being serious. I'm being serious. So I was like, here is an iPad. We, you are going to talk into it, and we are going to call it a podcast. I'm not even joking. This is exactly... And the first... Please don't listen to the first sort of five episodes, because all what it is is us talking shit and him getting progressively drunk. Slash, I would say, aggressive. <laughs> and that's genuinely how it started. And it w we were always adamant to s call it um, life from the perspective of a queer South Asian couple. That's all what it's about. It's not activism. It's not trying to win brownie points. I mean, the podcast is really bizarre in the sense that, you know, it's taken us to stages. Um, we were featured, I believe, in British Vogue. We were part of Woo! a... Thank you. National, international news, I would say. Yeah, uh -huh. we, we had a Got to celebrate our success. Yeah, we were inter interviewed in New York. We were uh, part of a documentary. I think a couple. Oh, yeah. My God, I'm queer streaming on all four. You yeah. should all watch it. Yeah. Go on. Yes. Um, and it's just taken us all, uh, uh, you know, in all sorts of directions. But I think as it keeps on progressing, what I've realized is that the podcast does serve a purpose greater than ourselves. And when you're in, you know, in a public sphere, you know, we're, we're nothing really. But, you know, when you are, you sort of help other people without even realizing it. And I think now that's what the podcast is very much about. Us living our truth, us being... Uh, open enough to share our stories and hoping that that supports, uh, you know, other individuals. Of course, South Asian, because we are South Asian ourselves, but, you know, our, our podcast is palatable to all. Completely uh, agree with the fact that we started it because I just wanted to be a mess. But it sort of grew very fast, you know? Yes. And then especially in the lo last lockdown when we did lots of live interviews and we've had some fantastic, fantastic guests on the podcast as well. You know, we've gone it alone this year. We've tried, we took a risk and that's, you know, paid off. But I think it started off as uh, we want to talk and it turned into a bit of a machine for us where we, you know, created a platform f not just for ourselves to heal. You know, it, it, it is like therapy, you know, and but to connect with God, I did not know there were so many queer South Asians in the world. It is mad. Like it is absolutely insane to connect with so many people and not just South Asian, but so many incredible queer people and um, 
a day doesn't go by where we don't get a message of a young South Asian kid that's like, I've never seen this before. This is what I needed. And I, I always say this, you know, visibility is amazing. It's incredible. It changes lives, but it also saves lives. It really does. It truly, truly does. Yeah. I think, I think we can all relate to that because when we're younger, we think we're the only South Asian gay person in the world because our life is small um, with our family. And there's still young people who are growing up like that and they need to see you. They need to see you. Spencer's shaking his head like, yep, yep. I get the South Asian story. <laughs> 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 but it's, 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 some, it's something that everyone resonates with. And, you know, we speak from a South Asian perspective because we are South Asian. But, you know, during our time, whenever we go to New York, for example, we have a lot of friends who have a Mormon background or they've come from a very religious Christian background. And it's quite alarming or even like a Hasidic Jewish background. It's very alarming as to how similar the stories are. You know, people who come from an organized religion background or otherwise as well. It's not necessarily just, just religion, but yeah, I think our story it resonates with a lot of different um, yeah. cultures. No, definitely. I, I get that when I date Mormon guys, Catholic guys. <laughs> like oh, our, our see, we know you date everyone. <laughs> Our the first dates are just like trauma porn, seriously, and it's oh not a good first date. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> half of them are sat in the audience, so you need to be careful Woo! what you say. <laughs> and this is the real reason we sold out. The, the, yeah, the reason I was nodding my head is because growing up, I mean, I grew up in a small town and like there were no brown people. And so how the fuck am I supposed to learn and, uh, and adapt and, you know, all of this? And I think you having your platform and being given that space to, to say what you say and it, it allows us to learn. And then only then do we end up with such a mix of people sat in a room together that all fucking get on. You know, it's, we've had to create our own space. You know, if, if people aren't going to... Yeah, it's true, though. You know, if people aren't going to afford us a space, guess what? I'm going to knock that fucking door down. I'm going to shake the table. I'm going to make my own space because... I deserve a seat at the table just as much as everyone else. You know, my voice matters, and my voice is important, just like every single other person in this room. And I just, all, all I want to happen is just to help as many young queer South Asians as possible out there to show them, you know, you've got a family waiting for you. We're here, we're queer, we're not going anywhere. We're here. And I know you say the podcast just you two talking, but you've had some very poignant episodes where you talk about religion, faith, if you can have faith, be gay. You've talked about what experiences in mosques as well. And these are kind of like episodes that I've never heard of and you're collecting experiences. And I'm like, I really relate to that. It was like uh, flashbacks from some childhood memories as well. And like, just honestly, just thank you for creating those spaces and those episodes as well. No, thank you yeah. so much. Thank that really tru truly means a lot. Um, so how does it feel to be the role models and the representation that you needed when you were younger? Oh, God. <laughs> I think you're confusing us with Tam France, maybe. Yes. <laughs> how's, how's fatherhood? <laughs> My Mormon husband. Um, um, do you know, I, I feel weird hearing that, very honestly, because I don't see myself as a role model. I just see myself as an adult like everyone el everybody else, you know, just big crash kid, landing in the universe towards that dark hole. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? For me, I, you know, I never sought to be that, uh, you know, in terms of what you described. I always believe in being as open and as honest as uh, you possibly can be. That's what I wanted to do. That is what works for me. And that's all what I wanted to do. And I believe in living by example. So if you can't see the change, you've got to be the change. And one moment that really s sticks out for me is actually nothing got to do with the podcast. It's when I went to uh, one of my best friend's weddings and she's Chilean. And thankfully she is still one of my friends. 
I'm pleased to say. Um, and her parents came up to me, and then she came up to me as well, and they were giving me so much attention. And, you know, I'm friend of the bride, you know, sat back by the toilets, really. And she said, you don't realize as to how much of an impact you've had on my family and my life. She said that, you know, I share your stories with my cousins in Chile, and they didn't have very favorable views of gay people, but they've seen you be you and carry the, yourself the way that you do, and now they get it that gay people are just gay and they are the same as everyone else. And that was better, that better than everyone else. <laughs> we are all better than everyone else. Or equally terrible, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, and so that, that you know, really stuck with me. And I was like, okay, well, I've just got to be myself. And if I'm representation, great. If I'm not, that's absolutely fine. So long as, you know, I'm open and honest and live myself to my, my truth. You can't go wrong with that. You really can't. For me, I come from an uh, education background, you know, um, ha having been a high school teacher previously. Shout out to any teachers here. I know there are a few teachers here. You're incredible, amazing. You are everything. Um, and um, when I was in, 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 in several roles, you know, I just wanted to inspire my children, my, my babies. And, you know, I, I think I did a really good job of that. And then taking on this platform, it's, it's gone crazy in somewhere else. And when someone messages or say you've inspired me you, you, you've done this and you've done that it's really all every single message is really overwhelming because i'm like me like i'm just uh, some little pakistani boy from bradford like this is the life that i wanted but this wasn't the life afforded to me and this wasn't the life that i wasn't you know that i should have had i wasn't allowed to have so it's very unusual it's very humbling it's very strange overwhelming but equally incredible but I do want to inspire all those people to then become an inspiration for someone else. Because every, it doesn't matter, everyone's got a platform, no matter how big and small. You being you, you being visible, and you being yourself will inspire even one person out there. It will make such a difference. <laughs> yeah, I think that deserves a clap. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> we, we sound like two pageant queens, don't we? Honest to God. World peace, I personally believe. <laughs> The reason I'm inspired by you two, I think so often as queer people, we we paint ourselves as victims or we get painted as victims and we struggle a lot in terms of kind of getting away from that. We just have this victim mentality that, you know, that's who we are and that's all we can be. And you two, like like you've said, you know, have kind of taken the positives and kind of, or taken the trauma more so and, and lifted yourselves out of that and kind of made something. And I think that's that's, why I was drawn to you in the first place. I just love people that just get on with it and, and really make something of themselves. But I wanna ask, do you think you found the right balance with that? Because um, obviously what we see on social media and all these campaigns and stuff is fabulous, but behind the scenes, do you have that right balance where you know, you're know you able to live authentically and be happy or are there still things that you have to kind of address and face and, and overcome? Um, shall I take this one to begin with? You start. She already has. <laughs> Um, you know, I like to finish. <laughs> <laughs> again and again and again. Um, yeah, it, uh, if I've understood your question correctly, yes, there is a balance to strike because social media is a wonderful thing. It is. And then it is an absolutely terrible thing as well. We're quite particular. Uh, what a lot of people probably won't know about us is that we turn down a lot more stuff than we actually take on. I'd probably say about 80% of the stuff we say no to because... You know, ev we even got a, an email today saying, do you want to promote grills? And I was like, I'm not some rapper. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> I don't care how much you get paid for it. I don't want to do that. So we try and do, you know, we, we try and be as authentic as we possibly can and, and honest 
uh, you know, true to ourselves as much as we can um, in terms of, you know, who uh, we partner with. Um, and then on social media, very honestly, it is an extension of ourselves. A lot of t the time, you know, people will say, oh, the mask's off and this is the real you and this is... For me, all facets are us, you know. You're one person when you're on a stage, you're one person when you're Bushra, or like, you know, you're, you're, you're one person when you're in your PJs and, and you're on the sofa, and we all do that. It's, it's, it is just social engineering, you know. When you put your armor on, you put your uniform, uh, uniform on to go to work, it is a person that you're portraying. You're a manager, you're a, you know, a sales rep or, 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 or whoever. And then when you get home and you're with your partner or your children, you, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a separate piece. So I think we're authentic. I think we are true to ourselves. And when social media doesn't work for us, uh, we do genuinely take a break. And we did that recently, not for long, but we were like, okay, need to, t you know, need to take a pause. Five minutes here or there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very lucky to have found this incredible human being who accepts me, loves me, and supports me no matter what. And, um, but days are tough because, you know, there are times you're like, we, we don't have our blood family. We don't, we don't have that support around us. And that can be hard and difficult. But, you know, l thankfully, luckily enough, we can have therapy. And we, I'm a massive fan of therapy. I think it's something you can dip in and out of all your life. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's a strength when you do it. And we can use it forever, you know, absolutely forever. And I think it's I important to have. And it's a difficult question to answer because who can know if we've got the right balance uh, of it? But I, uh, I'm massively, um, you know, about striving towards positivity because I, I can't live down there in the shadows. Like, no, shine the light on me, honey. Uh, like, no way. Like, I'm sorry. I need to be happy. I need to chase my dreams. You know, I, I need... I need to make all the things happen that I was told as a child growing up, you weren't allowed to do. You cannot be afforded this. You can't achieve this because you're X, Y, and Z. No, I can achieve anything anyone else can and more, you know, so. So, so I've only met you guys today and your social media is who you are now, but just your social media actually dulls you because you are so much more. Oh, thank, oh, thank, you. thank you. Thank you so much. You're and much worse so in real life. I'm holding back to be honest. Oh, don't, don't. You, I have <laughs> to say, Mufsin, you look nothing like your pictures. <laughs> I'm breathing in. <laughs> I'm joking, you're gorgeous. That's, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, you're gorgeous. <laughs> but um, yes, social media, there's lots of queer South Asian people out there. But what I'm seeing more and more on Twitter is there's a lot of young people, like, or maybe I'm just getting older, I don't know. But like, everyone's 23 now. Yes. What's wrong with being 23, girl? Oh shit, you're 23. You're <laughs> um, old, Spencer. I'm like, when I think about when I was 23, I was like, not really there yet, you know? I was still kind of discreet. I was still kind of like hiding a lot of parts of my life and not reliving really my full 100% queer life right like I am now. Mm. But it's great to see people on Twitter who are queer, South Asian, 23, like really living their lives. Um, are you seeing that as well with like younger generation? Like what are the big trends you're seeing or changes you're seeing, that you're, you know, with queer South Asian people? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. 100%. <laughs> and um, it's what we need to see. I love to see it. I, I oh my God. Like, I get emotional when I see it every time. Like, I love to see queer people thriving. Like, we need to support each other and thrive more. You know, 100%. Let's not tear each other down. But in particular, in, in my heart, seeing young queer South Asians just living as themselves, I'm like, my God, well fucking done. Like, because I know what, 
the, the mental gymnastics and the torture going through your head. Like, am I going to get kicked out by my family? Am my whole family going to abandon me? Am I going to be killed for some people? Genuinely, um, anything can happen. It's so dangerous. But I'm like, more power to you because you are fucking brave. And like, you're my inspiration to continue doing this and every single day. But it is changing and it is getting better. And that's why it's important that, you know, now, the time that we're living in now, and I'm, I always say this at the moment, and I'm hoping people agree, I do feel like we're going through a queer liberation right now, and I feel like as queer people, we're pushing back. We're really yes. pushing back. Yes. And it's important that we continue to push back, because if we don't push back, guess what? People will die, and we'll keep losing people again and again and again, and our voices, every single voice is too important for the next generation, because the generations go by, and people you know, get into their own quicker and faster, you know, we're gonna, it's gonna be, oh, it's gonna be beautiful, isn't it? Imagine that. I have to say, just to add to that, um, it is a little bit bittersweet. It is, because when I see, no offense, Spencer, but when I see 23-year-olds, I'm like, my God, and, you know, living their truth and living to their um, full queer potential, I think to myself, that could have been me. I could have done. We no, feel like you missed true. out on some years. I do, and that's why, like, I, and this is no joke, um, in fact, Mufsin asked me uh, earlier on, he was like, how old are you? And I said to him, I said, how old am I? Because I forgot. I genuinely do forget in my head, mentally. I sound like one of those like you know creepy old people, but in my head, I'm living through my 20s. And I o we, we always say this, that gay people tend to age differently because we've got so much that we couldn't do in our teens and in our, in our 20s that we ca play catch up later on in our lives. But it's so good to see the, the young generation, the young queer generation, you know, living unapologetically from day one. So whenever I see a queer young couple, I get really happy, but there is a little bit of sadness because I think to myself, that could have been me, you know? Yes. And, and that's why it's also important that, you know, in, in our community, we don't just write people off because of their fucking age. Like, what is that about? Like, you know, yeah. that's just fucking ridiculous. I hate that shit. But yeah, but you know, you know, um, there's, a, there's a saying in Urdu, uh, which is the native language of Pakistan, and it's, Yade mazi azab hai yarab, le mujse samira, which means the tales of the past torment me, O Lord, take from me what is my memory. And sometimes that does, that does ring in my ear, and I think, do you know what? The past is the past, time's here and now. I'm living my truth, better late than never. Woo! <laughs> Amazing. We want to let you lot have the chance to ask a question. Oh, God. Hi. Hello. I love you both. Thank you so much, darling. I'm going to ask you a question later, but I just want to share something with everyone. So I totally resonated with your story. I am an Indian origin. Yeah, so I lived in India. I grew up in India. I got married in India because there were no role models during my time, and I'm talking about a long time ago. Okay? I have twins who are 23 and they're beautiful. So 23-year-olds here. But I came out at 50. And yes. Yes. Uh, what's your name, darling? Raga. Few things here I just wanted to share. So I came out at 50, and it was only this Saturday uh, at a live event called Masala Podcast by Spotify. Woo! I actually uh, got engaged and I proposed to my... <laughs> oh my God! Congratulations! Congratulations! I saw that on Twitter. Ooh. That was your... Oh, oh my God, oh. congratulations! Oh. Yes! We love to see it. So, it, it has been 20 years 
of very traumatic, challenging, difficult life that we've lived. And I don't think there was a single slur not used, ridicule, abuse. Even my mother tried to kill me, as, as you probably know. So I think we have a huge fight ahead of us. And I'm so pleased to see so many here. And I'm, my question now, may I ask a question? Of course. Of course. You can ask whatever you like. Will you adopt me or may I adopt you? <laughs> <laughs> Will you adopt? Radha, for you, anything, of oh. course. Consider uh, you yourself as part of our extended family. Thank you. Hi, boys. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm Sham. I want to start by saying I'm so proud of the visibility that you two are creating because it's um, really powerful. And what Thank we need. you. Thank you so much. Um, I am from Rochdale, um, so I can totally resonate with you guys coming from your hometown. Um, I even know Keith Lee pretty well. In fact, the cities and towns all along that strip of the M62, I think I've got family. You I'm know. so sorry <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> Um, and just, uh, you touched up briefly on your family, but seeing you together, you're quite tactile and quite, you know, in interconnected, I can see. How is it and how do you find it and how do you navigate the many challenges and support each other when you're back in the environment with the community? Because you're obviously in Manchester. For instance, like, in our in our language, we have lo kya kenge, uh, which means what will people, what say? Will people say? So sure. what do you do as a couple to <laughs> sure. overcome them? Um, uh, shall, I, shall I go first? Yeah, sure, of course, darling. I'm just a, the rebel one. Um, what will people say? I don't give a shit. <laughs> I, can I just say, can I just say, Sham, there is a counter saying to that, and that is log to kahenge, logo ka kaam hi kehna. Love it, love it. Which means people will talk, it is the job of people to yeah. talk. Somebody, some people will be sat here saying, oh, he's wearing a pink shirt, it's a bit oversized. Somebody will look at him and be like, oh, he's got his stomach out. Somebody will look at him and not say anything. I'm joking, <laughs> but like, <laughs> people talk. Th it's just inevitable. You can't let that be your driving force. What, what I will say to, uh, to, to anyone who is struggling with that, um, you know, being in that difficult space is, interact with the South Asian community, but not to the detriment of you being true to yourself. That is very, very important, and uh, that is a balance that you must strike, because you can get captured into the fold. You know, it's a bit like the Hasidic Jewish community. Your friend, your neighbor is the pharmacist, is the police officer, is, you know, everybody knows everyone, and it becomes really, really difficult. You know, as gay people, we get to choose our family, and we have the, I know, a whole separate culture that we can engage with as well. So, you know, I would say stay true to yourself, relish in the South Asian community. It is wonderful, it is rich. You know, there, there's so many of us here who are a part of that community. Um, but to a point, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, do it up until um, it's not affecting you in a negative way. Yeah, you come first, you come first. It's been amazing hearing about everything you've talked about today. Um, sorry, I'm deaf, by the way. Um, I know, I've seen your dancing, it's gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, we need to cheer for Dave. that. <laughs> What's really nice is having the queer kind of South Asian visibility. Um, I grew up in the same generation as kind of all of you, and it's like when I grew up, I was like I didn't feel right being gay because I didn't see anyone, and I felt like it was guilty. I didn't accept it till I was like twenty something, and I thought I was like a unicorn, but in a bad way. <laughs> um, I was like, no one's like me. I'm I'm odd. But at the same time, as soon as I started being a bit more visible as well, I realized there were a lot of people out there who felt like they could come for me or like felt like they could say stuff to me and be like, why are you doing that? 
Like, and you get a lot more negative comments. And I don't want to put the victim lens on this. So I'm guessing both of you and Mufseen as well yourself, you get a lot of this because people are like, you're seen, you're there. People can see you and they will say, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this. And sometimes that's why people are closeted. What do you all do to kind of combat that? How do you, how do you make it so that not every experience with these people is negative, even if it is? If you are confident in being who you are, and if you are unapologetic in being who you are, people will resonate with that, and eventually that will become the right way to be. It's uh, uh, Honestly, it's as simple as that. Keep on being you, keep on being yourself, and those naysayers, you know, it's almost like the diffusion of innovation model, where you have the early adopters, you have the people who will say, yes, amazing, get it, love you, celebrate you, and then you'll have the naysayers and the laggards right at the end. They'll eventually come about. All what you got to do is follow your own trajectory. And that's what we've experienced. And, you know, there have been times when it has got dangerous and it has been rough. And there's a reason why the show isn't happening in Pakistan. But, um, <laughs> you know, we have had death threats and we have had, you know, um, well-educated people have a very uneducated view. You know, there was a um, time when I was um, teaching and a student said to me, you know, when someone said to him, oh, you're gay, aren't you? And he just turned around and he, yeah, I am. And what? He was 12. He was 12. And you have the power to say that and then nothing. What can you say to that? Because that's your power. That's your power. You hold so much power. And never let anyone take away the power that you hold. And one more thing I'm going to say on that is something that um, this incredible person has said to me and always says. Go towards those that celebrate you, not discriminate you. You know, because there's a whole room full of people that will celebrate you here. After that show, we were also, I felt quite emotional, actually. Like, the discussions got really deep and... Yeah, completely. It was it was really interesting because the audience was quite mixed. And so a lot of people were resonating with those stories mm. and a lot of people were sat learning and kind of shocked that those things happen and take place. And I think, like, the combination of that, there was just a lot of emotion in the room. Yeah, yeah I remember moving around, you know, doing the Q&A and people were just kind of welling up. And like we're a bit speechless and it was just like okay like we've we've facilitated something here that's that's really fucking powerful mm -hmm. um so yeah it was it was special i think amir said it right you know the mental gymnastics of living as yourself can be really really difficult especially in those circumstances you know where sometimes people can face death they can face you know abuse and violence just for being themselves and that is something that we definitely need to be more conscious of. But yeah, it's it's inspiring to see people like Amir and Amir and yourself, Mufseen, stepping up, being that representation, being visible, and kind of encouraging younger queer people to stand up as well. But also, well, well done, Spencer, you, for putting together the show. Like you've created that space. It was a, it was it was a good time, and we and we sold out, which was crazy. We did, we did not. Not Mufsin and Spencer selling out a <laughs> bloody room. I mean, I'm giving I'm giving Amir and Amir full credit for that because they don't pay to come and see us. But um, no, it was it was a good time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and you need to you need to make sure you keep up to date with the You Don't Love Me Boys on Instagram and also Lady Bushra is on Instagram. She's on TikTok, which is terrifying. And more recently, she has joined Twitter, which is absolute carnage, but also a good time. So. Make sure to follow her on socials, but also buy tickets to one of her shows or brunches. She is fucking phenomenal. We stand a South Asian drag queen. <laughs> and don't forget to tune into our next Queer Talk Live episode in just two weeks' time. Ooh. 
So until next time, bye. bye. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.